Everybody, welcome to this week's edition of UJ Sports Live. My name is Rodney Nabulsi. I'm joined by Dane Young and Jim Donnan. Uh, we're a little bit late today because uh, Jim Donnan and uh, Dane Young were playing hooky. They're talking to some buddy of theirs, and I'm the only one sitting here in the studio waiting for them to join us, and uh, they're just screwing around with one friend of theirs. Uh, but when you find out who it is, you'll be very pleased. So uh, uh, We can go ahead and preview. Reese Davis is going to be on this podcast feed later today. There you Boom. Go. So... Uh, did a good job of, uh, of analyzing the conference and the national deal and told some good Kirby stories. It, it's good. I mean, uh, I know our fans look forward to it, uh, and we're going to have another one. Uh, some people have requested Paul Feinbaum, and we're going to have him too. So, uh, And if anybody ever comes up with any uh, ideas about anybody else, we can certainly try to get them. Uh, probably can't get uh, everybody, but we can still try. <laughs> I'm still waiting on Switzer because I just want to turn my mic off and let y'all two go. <laughs> well, this is a this is a, a G-rated show. <laughs> I love he it. A, he doesn't mean to, but he he uses some words sometimes that all of us use, but not on radio and TV. <laughs> well, I will say that uh, just I overheard one of his conversations, and uh, it was salty, but. It was very enlightening, so I can't wait to have Switzer on. But I think getting Reese Davis on for the third year in a row is huge. Getting Paul Feinbaum to come on our show is big. And I appreciate you guys knocking that out. And, folks, uh, be sure to subscribe to this YouTube channel, and you can watch those videos. Or uh, uh, hit follow on uh, Facebook, and you can watch those. Uh, so they have one this morning, one this afternoon. So we got to get started. Uh, Coach, it's game week. The season is finally here. I've been waiting to say it's game week for, like, nine months. The baby's here. Let's go. Uh it's not an exciting opponent. It's UT Martin, but still there will be football here. We'll be able to – this time next week we're talking about who did what. We're talking about Brock Bowers this, and we'll be focused on uh, the upcoming game and the previous game, and you know we'll, we'll be overblowing injuries and questioning Mike Bobo's sanity. I, I, I'm just so happy it's here. Yeah, the one thing that I always loved about uh, starting the season is just the fact that that's why you – do everything. You lift weights. You you do all the things to prepare yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, and to play the games. I mean, that's what it's all about. Uh, being in that Sanford Stadium, going to those visiting sites, going down to Florida. I mean, that's why you come to Georgia to play the games. And can't get too caught up as a fan about who the opponents are at home. If you're going to see Georgia and you're in an era. You're in an era right now that probably m most people never experience. Uh, the fact that you're back-to-back -back national champions, that you, you haven't lost a home game now, starting on a fifth year. So it's a tremendous uh, experience. Uh, the stadium really looks good. Where they increase the uh, width uh, there, the corridors. I mean, should have better traffic there. It's just a, a great time to be a dog in a lot of ways. Uh, and I, I, first of all, I, I want to make sure that I give just a, a little tribute to Sonny Siler, uh, a tremendous Georgia icon, a guy that was so good to me, uh, my family. Uh, we had a little bit of a insight coming in that he, you know, 
checked me out a little bit when I got the job and he realized that my son Todd had his own bulldog whose name was Reggie and uh, he got it his last year at uh, Marshall and uh, the first thing he said to me he said how you doing coach he said when can I meet Reggie I said what in the world this guy's asking me about my own bulldog who was not necessarily mine but uh, Todd was still living at home and we loved Reggie and uh, unfortunately he passed away when he was here but uh, but the Siler family, uh, all of them, Frank, Swan, the, Sarah, the, the, their kids, everybody, just just really mean so much to Georgia. And, of course, Uga, I can tell you so many stories about Uga, but uh, I knew where I stood the first trip that we made when I was trying to get the uh, alignment where some of our bigger players could sit in first class. And uh, Charlie Whittemore said, well, we can do that, but we got to make sure we have a seat for Ugga up there. So, uh, <laughs> it was important that Ugga went first class. He needed that room. So uh, I knew right away where everything was all, but, but uh, there's a lot of people that have been good to me at Georgia and, and throughout my life. But uh Sonny Siler was just a loyal guy. I had a chance to see him for the last time uh, at Jack Bowerly's uh, deal that they had in April where they had a tribute to uh, to uh, Jack, and Sonny came up for it. Uh, and uh, it looked like he was in pretty good health there. I know he's kind of gone downhill the last couple of months, but just a sad day, but it's also you rejoice and, and think about the life he led and, and how much he contributed to the morale of Georgia with uh, just the fact we got the best damn uh, dog you could ever have to be the best mascot. And uh, he lived and breathed Georgia. I mean, he was he just loved it every day of his life. And uh, he lived a good life, 90 years. And uh, can't say much more except uh, it, it's a – Tough day for all of us, knowing that Sonny Siler won't be at any more of our games, but his memory will certainly be everlasting. Yeah, uh, the university announced today that they don't have the uh, uh, funeral uh, plans done yet, but Charles Siler, uh, Uga's handler, will be there on the sideline. Uga will be in the stadium, exactly how Sonny would have wanted it. And uh, I think if you, you know, this year they're going to go in and, uh, Try to win one for Devin. Uh, uh, Devin win one for uh, Chandler and win one for Sonny. So it's. Uh, I yeah, think I, meant, it's, I meant to say Charlie. I didn't. I, 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 Charles. I didn't, instead of Frank. Frank was actually Sonny's name, but uh, uh, seriously, uh, we'll find out. I know uh, an unbelievable contingent of Georgia people down there when Cecilia passed away a few years ago, and uh, yeah. that's real fitting tribute to her his wife but uh but anyhow we're going forward here uh roddy it is game week and like i said uh you stop you still practicing against each other but there's a little kick in your giddy up knowing that you're actually going to get to play a game and not have to go down there and beat each other up i thought kirby did a really good job yesterday of portraying the problems that we had with the weather throughout fall camp uh, just an unbelievable amount of uh, humidity and heat uh, on these guys, but you still got to work through it. And, and uh, the one thing that's a saving grace that a lot of people don't take into account is when you build an indoor facility, everybody said, well, you don't have that bad of weather, George, you don't need 
you know that you don't have that much rain. Where it really helps you is that when you have bad weather is one thing, but when it's hot, you can do a lot of drills inside and things to keep your kids fresh, and then go outside and and condition them. Uh, that indoor facilities are really beneficial to uh, get your team ready, and notwithstanding when it's raining or lightning or whatever. But uh, we're going to answer some questions about the team, that's for sure. But I think it was just a little bit different getting your team ready, knowing how to work them, but also withstanding the heat. It was just incredible heat watching these kids go through uh, some of these practices. And I'm telling you, they didn't let up any. <laughs> they, yeah. yeah, You thought they were playing Oregon this week. <laughs> they practice. So uh, there's no change in that, that's for sure. Some of the players we spoke to, you could just see the relief in their eyes that it was actually game week because they literally are tired of hitting each other. And especially when you speak to Cedric Van Pran, he's like, yeah, going up against Nas Stackhouse, you know. And it's not just this camp, but it's been for four camps. These guys have been going head-to-head. They were roommates for the longest time. They're, they're, they're sick of it. They want to go beat up somebody else. And, again – we're excited that the season's here, but these guys have been lifting weights for nine freaking months. You know, they've been running. They've been doing all that exercising. They're ready to go. So there's nothing like uh, game week in Athens. And you can tell the entire town's just energized. There's a different vibe amongst the players. There's a different vibe at Publix. There's a different vibe at the gas station. People are just shaking in their boots because they're uh, excited it's here. Uh, later in the week, we'll see the uh, them start clearing out the uh, parking lots. The RVs will be rolling into town. The tailgate stations will be opening up. It's uh, it's just the atmosphere completely changes. And uh, along with that becomes the casual fans who have – they know the camp's going on and they're not paying attention, but now the hyper-focus is here. And the hyper-focus in yesterday's press conference, all the questions were not about UT Martin, the vast majority of them, including some of mine, were about injuries and depth charts and player personnel and who's available and who's not, and who's looking good, who's going to surprise us, all that sort of thing. Uh, since our last sh- the show we had last, we, the Georgia's suffered a few injuries. We noticed uh, when we went out there last week, uh, we didn't see Lad McConkey out there. We saw Dejan Edwards running on the side. He wasn't going through practice. He wasn't in a, a black jersey, but he obviously wasn't with the other running backs. You know, where's Kendall Milton? Georgia's so thin at running back. Uh, where's Smile Mondon, you know, one of your leading tacklers from last year? Was he going to be out there? Kamari Laster's in a black jersey, the, the guy who started 15 games at cornerback for you. That Just the, I won't say panic, but the concern. And, again, if it would be tenfold if you were playing Oregon or you're playing Oklahoma or you're playing uh, Clemson. Uh, right now it's a concern, but the folks who haven't been paying attention, they see those, those uh, names and they start to wonder what the hell is going on, and they get a little worried, Coach. Well, you sure gave uh, the uh, Johnson and Johnson report there. We need some tape to get all these guys ready. We used to call it the Johnson and Johnson report. We had this one guy that uh, was, was our trainer up at Marshall, and he was very good and very uh, astute. And but he would always say that the guy's PT. And uh, when he said that, we knew the guy had a pretty good chance of playing. What that meant was he was point tender that the that his injury at the point of the injury was tender but he was going to be ready to play so if he had a pt beside him we knew it'd be okay it was a little point tender but overall it'd be good to play and uh i think we got a lot of those guys here that just we've been real careful with 
And there's no reason to uh, take a chance on a veteran player if he's got some kind of injury that could become a lot more, uh, you know, as you know, just lingering type deal. So McConkie has proven what he can do. Uh, Kamari has a Milton hamstrings are really tough from backs. Uh, you know, we had uh, Wilder at, uh, who played a long time in the pros for Tampa Bay at Missouri. And he had one that he came back too quickly on his senior year and he never was full speed. So I think uh, we've been very careful with Milton, and we know what he can do. Edwards the same way. Uh, but with that comes the opportunity for other guys to get practice reps. Uh, guys like Cass Jones, uh, who really, Roddy, I think early on you talked about how good he was out of the back. That was big. He definitely, well, whoever said it was good. Uh, he is good, but he's also great on special teams, and he can – Take it to the house. He got good speed. So uh, this team we're playing this week is going to force you to pass a little bit. We're not going to be able to Burma Road them. They they really ganged up on the run and uh, going to present a lot of opportunities to throw the ball because that's their pressure defense. They a lot like Mississippi State, you know, from the standpoint of really uh, the way they pressure uh, the, the running game. So, but uh, I feel good about. The preparation we've had, listening to Kirby talk about, uh, you know, the issues everybody knows with a new quarterback, a new place kicker, uh, that's always going to be different. But these guys have have worked hard, and it's time to go. And I hope that the people that don't go to the game will uh, continue to uh, check in with us on the Watch Along show. So tell us what what they got to do there, Dane. Yeah, we'll have our UGA Sports Watch Along show. I believe it's our fourth season of doing this. You have us on this YouTube feed or Facebook uh, feed and have us on your tablet, your phone, your laptop. And then on your primary TV, you have George's Game, which in this case is on ESPN+. Plus. Um, so go ahead and we'll be ready on the dog vent to help people figure out how to watch the game. Uh, but you can George Center commentary. We know more about the team um, than the commentators usually do, though Aaron Murray's calling this game as well. Uh, and I know he knows Georgia pretty well, too. So we're doing the UGA Sports Watch Along show. It's a fun time. Coach tells a lot of jokes. Elvis enters the building. It's uh, one of my favorite things we get to do. Yeah, and this week, uh, I think it'll be a lot more – not, not so much about uh, what Georgia needs to do here, what Georgia's doing. I mean, although Coach breaks that down really well, I think a lot of our fascination will be with some of those position battles, some of those new faces, seeing how Georgia handles being without uh, Jalen Carter, uh, seeing how they, you know, who starts opposite uh, Kamari Lasser, you know, who's that other cornerback. Uh, it's going to be some fun stuff like that. So uh, there'll be a lot of questions answered and a lot of evaluations done, and that's why I look forward to sitting next to Coach. I've learned – so much more about football. I mean, you, know, you can play it for years, but when you sit there with a the coach all day in and day out and he's explaining it, uh, it's pretty fascinating, which actually brings up one of the first questions I want to get to. I know we have questions that we'll answer towards the end of the show, but uh, we had a very interesting one right off the bat. And uh, I thought this one came from our uh, buddy, Dog in France. Uh, he sent it to me via Facebook. He says, uh, Coach, what will be the first play of the game for Georgia? I'm assuming Georgia on offense what will be their first play. Well, I would say if we win the toss, we're going to defer. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. If they win the toss, I, I don't know if they'll take the ball or not. Uh, 
you know, so it, it, that would be a very confident coach on their point if they deferred to the second half. So as far as the first play, uh, you know, we used to have a deal that uh, when we did the women's clinic where we would tell the women what the play was going to be, but they couldn't say anything except to tell their husband right before it happened. <laughs> Particularly when we're playing against a team that's not very good. But, uh, you know, I, I would say more than likely – I would say we're going to throw some kind of play action pass and throw it to 19 or 84. I like it. Hey, Dane, give us your first play. First play for me is going to be Cass Jones for four. No, um, that's a joke. Come on. Look, th this is why I couldn't be a head coach because Georgia last season just – undefeated biggest win in bowl history in a national championship game because I get bored with things. If I had achieved that, my entire goal this year would be like, how do I get Ladd McConkey to win the Heisman? Just because that's something I haven't done before. But see, that's why I'm not a head coach of a football team. And I talk on a show to come up with that ideas like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a pretty unrealistic because <laughs> of so many receivers we got, he's definitely one of the best players in the country. Uh, you know, one of the things I want to hit today that really hit me up that I, one of the guys that I was on the show with mentioned uh, about all our all-conference preseason players, which really is a dramatic amount of players. We've talked about that. But among the guys that aren't listed are Small, Munden, and Dominic Lovick, who are two of our top four or five players, in my opinion. So you add that to it. But of all the people that are preseason – SEC, the team that's supposed to be the one that's going to have the best chance to beat us, doesn't have one player on all preseason SEC, Tennessee. So to me, even though they got all that hype and they're playing at home and all, who are, who are these players going to be? Uh, who are these star guys? I mean, you got to have a few stars. I mean, Milton certainly got some things, and Brew McCoy, some of these guys, but uh, – that's pretty enlightening, don't you guys think? I mean, am I overrating, overrating that? No, because you can – can't you vote the system, the Tennessee system as uh, all SEC or something? Because that's what we're the told. It's only as good as the players that run it, though. Yeah. Well, they, got good, they got a good system, but yeah. uh, it, it definitely hasn't worked for Josh Heupel against Georgia to this point uh, at, at Missouri or, or here. So uh, well, That's because of rain, Coach. Rain, rain stops it. See, Coach, what you're saying is exactly why I have a little confidence that Kentucky is going to be pretty good this year because if their offensive line is even – I mean, it was it can't be much worse than last year. But with Liam Cohen back, I know the receivers at Kentucky are good. I feel good about Kentucky's quarterback. I can just – I can point to more things there and be like, that's a unit I feel good about. Yeah, that, that – the, and, of course, Missouri's defense. But I'm going to give you the over-under on the number of, of, of wins that uh, – Mark Stoops has against uh, Georgia zero. Is it over or under? How, how do you pick under? Yeah, I was going to pick under, but there's nothing under zero. <laughs> you can't go over or under on that. One. <laughs> you can go over, but it is zero. Can, can you guys get negative one? I mean, come on. Just had a hard time against us. I mean, sometimes that happens, you know. I mean, if you go around the SEC, there aren't many wins against Georgia, and especially against Kirby Smart. So oh, yeah. hard to find. Talk about Alabama. You know, even before though, he was he was against Coach Rick and that their team. I mean, uh, 
but he has a losing record in the SEC, very much way under 500 in the SEC. You think Will Muschamp, like, ribs Kirby about that? All these other coaches didn't meet you, but I did. Uh, he sure did. But anyhow, let's get some more questions or get to a commercial or whatever. We well, got yeah, yeah. Let, let me uh, mention our friends here real quick at uh, your pie. I know we always talk about this. Europe is double points Tuesday and they have all those great back to school specials going on to try to make it easier for you to get your kids back in school and to, uh, you know, everything is kind of up in the air when you shift out of summer mode into fall mode. Uh, but I want to bring up a little bigger picture thing when we talk about Europe. There's over 70 locations and those are all uh, franchisees. When Drew and Natalie French came up with the concept and they built the first one, it was such a success that other people wanted to do it. So they started the, the franchising the, the system. So if you want to own your own Europe restaurant, and again, I've seen them pop up everywhere, uh, LaGrange, Delanaga, coming everywhere. Uh, they're all over, there's 70 of them. Uh, you can do that, and they will help you start to finish on this thing. They will uh, help you with the location. They'll help you with the system. They'll teach you how to do it. So if you really want a successful business and you want to get out of what you're doing right now, uh, hit up our friends at Europe. I reach out to them. Uh, it makes a ton of money. It's, has a, it has a ton of business. Uh, one of my best friends in the photography business way back when I was a sports photographer, uh, Bob Rosado, he has two of them because it's, there's such a good investment. So reach out to our friends at Europe High and say, hey, look, I want to learn a little bit more about being a franchisee, and they will help you. So hit them up when you get a chance. Uh, speaking of great places that should maybe franchise out, it would be our friends at Academia Brewing Company. They make great beer. They have great food. I mean, even if they didn't have beer out there, just say if they were selling uh, Yingling and um, uh, Bud Light or, uh, you know, just Coronas or whatever, that would be a place we'd be saying, look, go out to Academia and eat. It's a great restaurant. If they didn't have food out there, we'd be saying, look, go out to Academia and try their fantastic beers. They have, you know, all the different uh, IPAs, the, the, the barley wines, everything you can imagine. And there's a new one coming out just about once a week, it seems. They have trivia nights. They have bike, you know, motorcycle nights. They have car shows. They have uh, uh, uh live music all the time. This is a great place to go enjoy. The fact that you have both of them together, you have a great restaurant and a fantastic brewery, an award-winning brewery. It's, just, it's a no-brainer. So hit up our friends at Academia Brewing Company when you come into town before the game or after. It's actually voted one of the top uh, post and pre-game uh, spots in the, the entire Athens area. So hit them up. A lot of chatter about the running back position with injuries. Here's what Kirby Smart had to say about it in his Monday news conference. I feel good about Andrew Paul, Rod Robinson's had a great camp. Cash has had a good camp. Um, really got a, a bunch of guys who've repped and, and done some good things there. But Dylan, we need Dylan at wide out. We need Dylan on special teams. Um, Dylan has had a really good camp in terms of being a wide receiver. He played that some in high school, so that's something he's done before. But you know, we, 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 the way offenses are nowadays, you can get your touches a lot of ways. Talking about Dylan Bell there. About the different guys that, you know, normally when your first guys are out, you look for other ways. I know last year they looked at Bowers a little bit because of the configuration. He could be a guy that could maybe line up on third down instead of lining up right beside the tackle, move back and come out of the backfield because he knows protection. Same thing with Dylan Bell. I mean, he, he's got that kind of skill set. Because of his size, he's just more uh, 
a larger body receiver that can maybe play back there. I know Muse has some uh, running ability that we're going to see on kick returns that, you know, that you get a touch with him in different ways. But uh, the, the general capacity for most people is to talk about what's wrong with the team instead of what's right. And that's, that's certainly an issue when you got those kind of deals at, at the running back, but uh, injury wise, but hopefully it'll be good because Edwards and Milton hadn't had all those hits that they, that you'd have throughout fall camp. It should be fresh as a daisy. So uh, of course that was, that was an unbelievably bad injury to Robinson. Uh, you know, Patella tendon to miss him for the whole year because he was really reacting pretty well to that foot surgery he had. He looked like he's going to be able to play earlier than even we thought. So, uh, but when Kirby, you know, he, he's going to say what he thinks and uh, he, he feels good about their athleticism back there, but there's nothing like game reps and none of these guys that he mentioned have played much. But I know this, on this show last year, I was talking about, how good Andrew Paul looked in fall camp in the scrimmages. And then a week before the first scrimmage, first game, he gets his knee ACL. He was actually ahead of Robertson last year as far as picking things up. And you saw what kind of year he had the rest of the year or when he played so much. But Paul had tremendous figures in high school in a good league. And uh, so we'll be okay there and they'll, they'll get some confidence Saturday. So uh, a lot of people. Go ahead, right? So a lot of people. I was going to go to the next clip, but you. Yeah, uh, talking about Dylan Bell and uh, you know different Brock Bowers and all these different running backs. I'm like, these. It would have to be rather extreme circumstances to take a guy, as Coach Smart said. You know, we need him at wide receiver. You need Brock Bowers running your as your tight end. Uh, but there are times when you have to go pretty deep down the depth chart. And I think back to that Florida game when you just couldn't find a quarterback. You had so many guys injured, and then Stetson gets injured, and then, you know, Dwan's having a rough night, and you're like, can anybody throw it? Can anybody run it? Can anybody punt? You know, we got we brought two punters, and they both got hurt. You just – Kirby Smart practices going to the movies. Do you think he's not going to practice a fifth or sixth or seventh running back or eighth or ninth or tenth wide receiver just in case – you know, because you don't want their first snap to be uh, in a game they've never done it before. So I'm not going to make too much out of it, but I, I, it's interesting to know that he sees it. He's playing that 3D underwater chess way down the line. Um, talk about George's quarterback, Brock Bowers, and what he's seen from Carson Beck. I mean, I feel like he just is playing the game faster and at like just a faster pace, I guess. And that's what that's what he needs to be doing to uh, just play quarterback here. So I'm. Um, Excited to see what he'll do Saturday and this year. And then I'll add Cedric Van Pran also on Carson Beck. I think what uh, we're working with Carson, the biggest thing has just been making sure that we're both a same thing is communicating the body. I think a lot of times on the field, you kind of get into a funk where you may just get caught up in doing your job. And I think it's really important to make sure that you're communicating with the guy behind you, and in his case, in front of you, to make sure that you're both kind of seeing things, you know, really, uh, really familiar with each other, um, came in together. What does that mean, Coach, when he's talking about the communication? I like the the fact that, uh, you know, Van Pran has so much experience. Uh, and the, the, the middle of your attack is where most of the decisions are made. Uh, quarterback calling the uh, different uh, checks based on the perimeter and 
the center helping you for your protection, identifying w- which way you're going to slide the protection or who's going to be uh, doing a double read or whatever it might be. So you, you've, you've got a lot of experience there, practice experience working together with Beck and Van Brand, not game experience. But, uh, but the, the one thing that I would say without – going overboard here is and we've heard Kirby use the word volume the, the amount of volume that our team uses uh, is for twofold here one to get them ready for what they're going to see and and take a little bit uh, away and add a little bit throughout the season offensively and defensively but prepare you for the year to give you an idea of what all the different kind of looks you're going to get defensively as an offensive team and conversely defense uh, seeing all the different motion shifts, personnel groupings. And that's where I think Beck has a really big advantage. All the game reps are one thing, but the practice reps that he's had here over the last four years really helped our defense as much as our offense, because we were able to go out there and run all that stuff that Stetson ran in practice against our defense to get them ready that maybe those other two are learning how to do. But now that we're focusing in on what just Georgia does, and I, uh, I think both these guys will do well uh, running that stuff too. So uh, uh, Beck definitely uh, has a good feel for the volume of stuff we got. And, and it's, as we've said several times, there's, there's a real good feeling about knowing you the man and knowing that you've been, your coaches picked you, and we'll see how it rolls out there uh, on Saturday. I like that uh, when Kerber was asked about, hey, how do you feel about the practice, you know, the injury reports and stuff like that, he said, look, I have nothing to hide. If you ask me, I'll tell you. Now, he doesn't volunteer information. You have to gotten it from somewhere else, but you can ask Kirby and he'll tell you. So he's not putting a lot out there, but if we find something out, you know, like, you know, hey, we heard this so-and-so was hurt, or this guy was getting reps here, he'll tell you about what's going on. Uh, one of the questions to him was about how does having uh, Cedric Brand Pran in front of Carson Beck really help Carson Beck? You know, he got such an experienced guy out there, and he he will tell you if your question is dumb, you know, or he will tell you if it's misguided, or he will explain to you what's going wrong. And so sometimes I ask him just general football questions to help understand things. But that question, he's like, uh, it's not going to help Carson that much because Carson is good at reading coverages. He's good at seeing where it needs to go. It's not like I, – I think he took the question as, you know, Cedric Van Pran is leading Carson to helping him out. He's like, no, Carson's pretty damn good at what he does. It's okay. You know, he won't be leaning on him. You know, Cedric Van Pran will be keeping him from getting killed, and, you know, they, they, they can agree on a lot of that stuff. But I thought it was a, a huge vote of confidence for uh, from Kirby on Carson about uh, his skill set out there and his uh, analysis and his protocols when he goes up to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I don't. He won't take a back seat to anybody in the country, as far as uh, knowledge of uh, the system. Uh, he's got a tremendous knowledge. Another guy that got to get behind the microphone was Tyke Smith, and he spoke on his special relationship with Javon Bullard. With last year, just going into this year, me and him got a, a real strong bond, kind of seeing stuff uh, the same, and then being on the same page without necessarily like communicating. Bands so that we played both played a star position, both had safety reps. So kind of knowing what's suspected. Helps in the secondary when they're cross-trained like that, Coach. Sure does. And 
I'm pulling hard for all our players, but particularly Taiki, a guy that made all American at West Virginia as a sophomore, uh, playing a, a different role of different type of defense. And he transferred to Georgia along with his defense's backfield coach who came here too. And then, uh, was looking good, moved into a, a different style, and he was learning how to play man more, and then he hurt his knee, but then came back last year and really wasn't ready when fall camp started, and they put Bullard in there at star and just couldn't replace him, but he couldn't beat him out, but he got to play a lot. But now with Bullard back at safety, he's the playing the nickelback, uh, Tyke is, and pulling hard for him to have a big year because – he sacrificed a lot leaving a, a team to come here, and uh, hopefully he'll be able to get a lot of playing time and and really help our team win. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I always pull for the guys like, uh, uh, you know, last year it was Rob Beal, you know, the guy who waited his turn. Carson Beck could have transferred multiple times, you know, year four for him. Uh, guys that uh, – pass on the NFL and come back. But Tyke, anybody coming back from injury, especially that has all that uh, rehab and stuff and all the work they have to do, uh, you, you always root for them. So it's like I want to see Andrew Paul take it into the end zone and Tyke Smith get interception and Carson Beck throw four touchdowns. <laughs> it's just uh, I, I, it's the feel-good stories. It's so while we're in the business, we want to share those stories. We want to see them and we want to see that validation and that uh, reward for those guys. So uh, I think everybody in the stadium, with, when Tyke Smith has a big hit or a, a big play, you got to root, root a little extra, cheer a little harder for uh, Tyke Smith than you say just about anybody else out there. These interviews are in full on our UGA Sports YouTube page, the most popular Georgia Bulldogs channel on that site. We'll wrap it up with uh, Kirby Smart saying what he's excited about for this team. I'm very excited about, like, every day you go to work with this group, they're fun to be around because they actually listen to what you say and they try to do it like you say it. And – that, that, that's important. I mean, who you are intangibly is really important. That's one of my favorite quotes from Kirby Smart. I like them because they listen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's really a big point. It uh, is. Because, you know, you get to a point where all of us have heard something a thousand times and you think, you know, you know, you, you've got it down and all that. But uh, just the fact that We've said it over and over. This is a new team, and even though you've heard it before, you need to open up your channels and, and make sure that everything you're you're getting from your coach, you're you're taking it to the field and everything. Sometimes, well, I've heard that before and all that. You know, sometimes when I go speak to a group of athletes, uh, I remind them. I said, you know, when I was in high school, we used to have speakers come all the time and. They would talk to us, and I, I would say, oh, here's another guy and all that. But this one guy said, I don't care how many times you've heard people, you, you need to listen to me because I'm going to tell you the way it is. And he got my attention by saying that because I pretty much had figured out he was going to give me the same old winning for the Gipper type talk that our high school coach had us talk, listen to. But that, that's the point in, that I always talk to every team about. Number one, are you coachable? You know what that means? When the coach tells you something, you don't have a barrier. You don't have any kind of resistance to it. You're going to do it. You don't question the coach. Number two, can you concentrate? That means you listen to what he says and you remember it. The reason people forget things is they never learned it in the first place and didn't listen long enough 
They're looking at their phone. They're doing whatever, and they don't listen. So good job, Kirby. Talk to, maybe you listened to me back in the day when I told you, hey, you got to you gotta comprehend it. So are you coachable? Can you concentrate? If you can do both of those, you can learn a lot of stuff. Yeah, we still hear them talk about our guys being coachable or not. Uh, speaking of being coachable, I want to coach all of our, our friends to check out our um, MyPerfectFranchise.net. You, if you're trying to change your life trajectory, you're trying to come up with something better than you had before. Uh, you're trying to get out of the rat race. You're just trying to improve your, uh, your revenue flow, uh, your, your quality of life. Reach out to Andy Ludecki. He's a coach. He can talk to you. He can explain how to get through the whole franchising process and which, what's the right franchise for you. He's done this with tons of people. It doesn't cost you anything. So you get free coaching. You know, you, and if you're listening, he will tell you all the steps you need to go, go through, how to finance it, how to uh, pull it all together, and how to be successful in it. He is living proof. He is a number of franchises that he started. And once he realized how, uh, how easy it is and how to get the customized, the right franchise for the right person, he said, look, I'm just going to kind of do this for a living. So uh, reach out to my perfect franchise, Andy Ludecki, and he will take great care of you and get it done. So uh, hit him up anytime. Also, want to mention our friends at Athens Ford, uh, huge sponsors of this show. They've sponsored our watch along show. Uh, they've sponsored our uh, uh, website. Uh, right now, re remember during COVID, we're saying, hey, look, they got 213 vehicles in the lot. They got 641 now. Uh, they, and they'll have up to 1,000, you know, more. Plus, they're uh, the ownership of. Uh, Athens Ford, they can reach out to other uh, lots and get you stuff on yours. Right now, they have the they're helping out the the, uh, the players lounge, which is helping out some of the, the players on the Georgia football team. The folks out at Athens Ford have a ton of vehicles. They have a ton of pride. They are the Athens location. They've provided vehicles for the uh, parades that Georgia Georgia's had through the town. Uh, there's not bigger Georgia fans in the universe than the folks at Athens Ford, and you need to reach out to them when you get the chance and uh, support those who support the team. And I also want to mention our friends at uh, Dead Soxie. Uh, hey, look, uh, it's Tuesday. The game is coming. Uh, you need your new socks, okay? You, you need uh, to order them today, order them, uh, or maybe Wednesday, but you, you need them before Saturday. So get the Georgia socks, uh, get the, the red, the black, the, the little Herschel looking one, you know, the ones that has the Georgia logo, the state of Georgia logo with a little star in it for where Athens is, uh, the red and black stripes. Uh, they have them all. They're incredibly comfortable. They're not going to make you sweat. They're going to stay up and you're going to look good come uh, six o'clock on Saturday. Plus you'll have them for the whole season. They've been sponsors of this show for two years. Georgia's won back-to-back -back national titles. Don't screw with a streak. Get our friends at Europa. I mean, at uh, Athens. Uh, excuse me, at Desktop all of them. And use promo. I'm trying to say use promo code UGA Sports to get twenty five percent off. Where are your dead socks on the way to Europa and your Athens Ford? We got it. Sounds good to me. Let's get to questions from UGASports.com. Uh, first one, Coach. Um, I had a couple about Jordan Hall. Will not be hunted 23. Coach, by season's end, how much of a presence could Jordan Hall produce along that defensive front? He's going to have one at 6 o'clock Saturday night. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to have to wait long to see 44 out there. I can tell you that. Uh, the guy's got a presence about him. He just uh, he's, 
he's got a lot of potential, but he's already ready for in, in several ways. You know, I'm just going to give you a little uh, preview of what we just talked about with Reese Davis about Georgia and everything. He said people were talking about, you know, Jalen Carter and guys they don't have. He said, I was on the sideline at the Tennessee game, and I was watching Stackhouse jack that Tennessee defense up. And I thought that's pretty good that, uh, you know, he brought out, which we already know, uh, you, you talk about who you lost, and certainly Carter's a tremendous loss. But I like our defensive front. You know, these different groupings around the country that people have as list of number one, O-line, D-line, DBs, all that. If there was one group that had Georgia's D-line, linebackers, and secondary rated as a top grouping in each of all three. And I agree that our D-line is is prominent, maybe not quite as experienced, but, you know, Michael Williams, he can walk in any place in America and play. Stackhouse can. Uh, you know, Logue has the same kind of capacity. Uh, Hall's one of the best young players in America. So, And then you had guys like Chambliss who just can't wait to gnaw on somebody. He's probably over there right now looking in the mirror thinking about how he's going to get after somebody. I mean, He's my type of player. I mean, we got really good kids on our defense that they're a little bit unknown somewhat like Bill was that they're going to go out there and strike you. And uh, then you got those two safeties back there, both of them, heat-seeking missiles, 24 and 22. I mean, and then you got 23 in the middle there playing star. Corner, we're good. Linebacker, one of our best players, Munden, not even mention on all these all conference teams. He's one of the top players on our team. We Jay asked about some young defenders and coach specifically that second corner spot. I've heard two or three names that stepped up in the last couple of weeks to be in position to play some there. Yeah, I mean number four, <laughs> he can play without question. Uh, he, he had a little bit of an injury, but uh, I think he's going to be right there. Uh, we've got. Of course, we got Green, Humphrey, Everett. All three can play at corner. Uh, we got a better situation as far as corner depth. Maybe not uh, a guy like Ringo, but we got good depth there. And uh, of course, Vaster has only played 15 games as a starter, but he's had a lot of reps out there. And uh, the 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 really thing that makes me sleep better as a somebody that worries about something. We got Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp and Fran coaching these guys. I mean, that's an all-star group of secondary coaches. Fran Brown has come in and done a great job on technique, but you can't get any better coaching than those three guys. I mean, every step they take is monitored. Every GPS look that they do physically – is monitored. These guys don't take bad steps. They don't take bad angles. And if they take one, ooh, but watch out. Your ass is going to get chimed up. So uh, I, I just feel like supreme coaching. And we got good coaching all around on our team, but you got two guys that have won national championships at different places. Uh, you know, Coach Smart at uh, Alabama, Coach – Muschamp at, uh, t- at, excuse me, at uh, LSU. With, uh, really, got, you just can't, you can't quantify that. Just, uh, 
Okay. I'd be question. I got to be careful about going overboard, but I love yes. to see you guys coached. From DMUGA, curious if the new clock rules are going to favor run-oriented offense and limit opportunities for passing-oriented teams. Absolutely, they're going to help you. Uh, just because you can keep the clock running and keep the other – if you make first downs and you're not as good as the other team, you can keep them off the field. Uh, but you got to make the first downs and you got to make progress and all, but I guess the analytics say there's going to be four to five less plays per team based on this. But the overriding thing to me is going to be if you're behind against a good team and you're not uh, very capable of making uh, some big plays, how are you going to catch up against them? Time's going to run out for you. So it's definitely going to be a different difference maker now. How much? I don't know. But uh, the length of the game, that's what they're talking about. Uh, saw the other day that rule about the timeouts. You can't take two consecutive timeouts. UTEP had a guy that wasn't out on the field, and then they didn't get it straight, and they called the second timeout, got a five-yard penalty. I mean, that's got to really chap UTEP's butt, but uh, that's the way it goes. Uh, from I've been good, I've heard mistakes that players make when they get too amped up. Does the same happen for coaches? And if so, how do you calm them down? Coaches get too amped up. Do coaches get too amped up and make mistakes is the question. Oh, I, I, we don't have time enough to tell you all the mistakes I've made over the years. But uh, <laughs> try to. one thing that I always felt like the players are going to kind of exude the confidence that you show or take the other way if you don't, if you show panic. Uh, so I always tried to be as close to even kill as I could during the games. And most of the stuff preparation-wise, you, you know, maybe get a little more excited. But uh, uh, you, you've got people out there, ho hopefully they're going to help you in the press box. Uh, everybody's got a role, who what their job is. And it's just not the head coach making decisions. Ultimately, you got to make them. Coordinators got to make them and all that. But the best coaches that I've ever been around are the even-keeled guys that that uh, don't get too high and don't get too low. And I think Kirby may be a little bit more excitable early on because it, that's just his demeanor. But, you know, he still makes a lot of good decisions. That decision he made against Ohio State on the, on the timeout Probably the biggest ever made in Georgia history. And we'll wrap with a pair of questions from Bush Dog. Says, I know it's game week with football, but with John Isner's retirement, I'm curious, Coach, do you have any good stories about John Isner? Well, I congratulate John on a brilliant career. I mean, you, you know, you would have never thought, based on his college play, even though he played tremendous here, I never thought he would be the singles player that he did, but he, he amped up his overall game to go with his serve and they made a lot of money and, uh, and there's been a damn good dog the way he represents us in so many ways. Uh, you know, coach McGill used to always call, uh, anybody hit a big serve, big Bertha, you know, Bertha, he called it hit that big Bertha and John was going to hit big Bertha, whether coach McGill told him to or not, but, when he would hit it and hit an ace, he said, he did exactly what I told him to. He hit that big brother. And 
Coach McGill loved that. And uh, John always loved to come back and see Coach McGill. And just like all the players do, I miss Coach McGill. Uh, he was just unbelievable uh, the way he was. This Mr. Bulldog, no question. But John, great, uh, great ambassador for us. Uh, and uh, hopefully our tennis team is going to be able to overcome some of the things that have happened to us here. We lost three of our best players before the season even started. Uh, Gwen went pro, who won the NCAA last year. Uh, Michelson, or Mickelson, I've already pronounced it, our number one recruit, decided to go pro. And the kid we got from Peru who was coming in here was having trouble getting his uh, green card to get across the border. So uh, Coach, Coach uh, Manny Diaz is going to have to do some he and she in here and hopefully get some transfers in in January. All right, let's wrap where we start. A Bush dog uh, has a question about running backs. What do you think that rotation looks like for this first game? It's going to be musical chairs. You're going to see a lot of guys out there. I, I say we play at least seven running backs Saturday uh, because not just because who we're playing against that we should be playing winning, but I, I want to see some of these other guys, you know, going down there. If Milton can play, that's one thing. If Edwards can play. But after that, you're going to see Paul, uh, Roderick Robinson, uh, Whitehead, Cash Jones, uh, uh, number 20. Uh, what's his name, Roddy? Savon uh, Clark. Yeah, Clark. So that's about seven, isn't it? I wasn't paying attention. I mean, if Bowers is back there, that could be eight. Yeah, uh, if McConkey were to line up in motion. Kirby's son, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> watch Andrew. He might run out there and try to get a few reps. Yeah, hey, I'm just saying the the right side of the line are all preseason SEC guys, as voted on by the coaches. So, And I know sometimes people are putting the coaches' votes in for them, but I think I'd be, willing to take a, I'd be willing to take a handoff to the right side behind uh, Tate Bradley and Marius Mims. I'm, I'm willing to go – I take my chance with those guys and Brock Bowers on the edge and Cedric Red Brand in the middle. Yeah, we'll be, you'll be fine. When you go out on there and sit in the stadium and you got your binoculars or whatever you got, don't just look at the cheerleaders and the majorettes and all that, man. Look up, <laughs> Roddy. Look, look at the size of our offensive line. I mean, just it, it's incredible. Uh, tackle to tackle is just incredible. But uh, I'm looking forward to Saturday. I appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. I hope that you'll check these extra deals that we got. I hope you like them. We're going to have another one with Paul Feinbaum, who's been on several years. So uh, go dogs. Hi, folks. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Be sure to check out the earlier interview we had with Reese Davis. And uh, we're, we're into the show now so that these two guys can go talk to Paul Feinbaum. So uh, be sure to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and tune in next Tuesday. We'll be talking to uh, the Georgia football's previous game and looking ahead to the next one. See you next week.